could you be missing out on magnesium? If you aren't already taking magnesium, you likely should be. Our deficient food sources, caffeine consumption, stress, and exercise rob us of magnesium, which is an important cofactor for hundreds of processes in the body. It can calm your mind and ease your nerves to help you sleep at night and help reduce anxiety, PMS, and headaches. It can relax your muscles when you have cramps, your bowels when you're constipated, and it's required for energy, hormone production, and vitamin D absorption. If you're interested in exploring more about how magnesium can help support you living a longer, healthier life and the exact type of magnesium supplement to look for, check out my blog post, The Magnificence of Magnesium, found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash blog. And use code magnesium for 10% off our magnesium chelate product at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. The other big thing is just looking at nutritional deficiencies. We're probably not getting enough of what we need for food. Majority of the population is magnesium deficient. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. Today, I get to interview the other providers at the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic, Lindsay Sheedek and Sarah Gates, both nurse practitioners. I get to pick their brains on why they joined our team, what they've learned, and what a difference they've made in the lives of so many. Our impact wouldn't be as great without them. I'm excited to share them with you all. This is part one of a two-part series. Be sure to join in next week for the conclusion. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guests are Lindsay Shedek and Sarah Gates. Lindsay Shedek joined the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic team in February 2021. She's passionate about health and wellness, longevity, and bioidentical hormone therapy. She received her Bachelor's of Science in Nursing degree from the University of Iowa College of Nursing in 2008. Upon graduating, she worked for three years as an ER nurse at Iowa's only Level 1 Trauma Center, where she gained valuable skills and knowledge in the healthcare field. During that time, she obtained her Master's of Nursing degree from the University of Iowa Nurse Practitioner Program, focusing on adult geriatric health. She's been practicing as a board-certified adult nurse practitioner since October 2011. In addition to her work with IAHC, she also practices part-time at University of Iowa Quick Care and Urgent Care Clinics. From 2015 to 2020, she also served as a Director of Health Services at Coe College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, working closely with the college-age population on health, wellness, promotion, and mental health. She's proud to be certified through BioT Medical, a bioidentical hormone replacement therapy company for both men and women. Iowa natives, she and her husband Brian stay busy with their four children ages 10, 9, 7, and 2, all of whom have deepened her understanding and commitment to living a healthy, well-balanced life. She enjoys running, hiking, reading, and cheering her kids on in all of their sports. Sarah Gates was born and raised in Iowa and lives nearby with her husband Justin, son Jonah, and her dogs Sherman and Zamboni. She began her career as a nurse in the operating room, spent several years in medical device diagnostic sales, and recently completed her degree as a family nurse practitioner, joining our care team in the fall of 2022. In the warmer months, you'll find her outside, walking, biking, camping, and kayaking. In the cooler months, she's most likely traveling to where it's warm. She loves spending time with her friends and family and is constantly planning trips and get-togethers with loved ones. She's also a certified bar instructor and also has a love for all things fitness, including attire. She's always been very passionate about women's health and preventative medicine and is eager to make a difference in helping you live your best life. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you. It's a bit difficult to have two guests on the show at the same time. So I'm going to try to direct questions to you guys each individually, just so we don't talk over each other. But if we do, that's okay. 
So first, I want you ladies to tell me how you became interested in or how you learned about functional medicine. And Lindsay, since you joined our team first back in 2021, I'm going to go to you first. So kind of how did you become interested in this? Well, I mean, I think I always sort of had an interest or a passion for the field, maybe before I even knew what the term meant, functional medicine, or what that world even really incorporated. But I I think I've always been just very interested in wellness, staying active. And just as I progressed through my career working in the urgent care clinics and conventional medicine, it became pretty clear that, I mean, as a whole, I mean, society is chronically ill and we keep getting sicker and sicker and BC rates keep going up. And I just like, what are we doing wrong? Like, why can we not figure this out? Why can't we get these numbers to come down? Um, I thought there's got to be something more. And then I really became aware of, you know, integrative medicine or the field when my sister-in-law worked in the field. And so, you know, I talk about what they were doing when we get together for family functions and talk about these bioidentical hormones and how they were helping patients. And I think that then really fueled the fire. And then the opportunity was there for me to to join the team. And so for those of you who are listening, she's referencing Alyssa Shedek, who was our former medical assistant, who is a great addition to our team for several years. So yeah, that's kind of how we got used through her, which, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is great. Yes. What about you, Sarah? Yes. Well, I feel the same way Lindsay does in that really my, I didn't know it was functional medicine that I was interested in. I just knew that conventional medicine like wasn't really working and there was something more. So like so many of us in the field and so many of our patients too, my own health journey kind of led me to be more interested. So I developed chronic hives shortly after meeting my husband, which like being on steroids for an extended period of time in a new relationship is not recommended. And it was debilitating. It was horrible. And I remember asking, you know, of course, you're doing your own research, trying to find the root cause and asking my allergist, well, what about leaky gut? And I I swear they looked at me like I had three heads, you know, just not even really answering my question or explaining like, that's really not what we do here. And maybe here's where you can go for help with that. So I just was kind of left floundering. So um, that's kind of where I think my interest peaked the most. And I've always been interested in women's health and hormones, like I said in my bio. So yeah. I'm happy to be here and be doing all the things that can really help discover the root cause. We may have to come back to those hives and part of your story later. If, if yeah. We'll see how this interview goes for you. <laughs> um, but I'll go back to you, Lindsay. So as mentioned in your bio, you spend part of your time in conventional medicine still, right? You're here part-time, you're there part-time working in urgent care. So what are some of the key differences and how you approach your care there versus like here now? Or how maybe has that morphed since you've developed some additional knowledge? I mean, urgent care, I would say is, I mean, it's a pretty targeted approach. And so, I mean, I've got patients who are coming in for, you know, acute problems like sore throat, sinus infection, they they rolled their ankle. And I think they come in with one problem, we're focusing on that. They're expecting, you know, maybe a test or an x-ray and they want to leave there with the solution, knowing they're going to be better, you know, in a week or two. Or Whereas here, I mean, we get to dive in and really... It's a very broad approach. Like we are going all the way back in their history. We're wanting to know everything. Like, have you know, have you been exposed to water damage buildings? Like, we're going way back. We want the whole big picture. 
And then we, you know, here, of course, we're trying to get to the root cause of a lot of symptoms that these patients have been struggling with for years and just can't get feeling better. So very different. I do think that since working here and everything that I've learned, I'm when I'm at urgent care now, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity to even just at least like put a bug in the patient's ear, like, okay. Plant a seed, plant a seed. Yeah. 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 Like this is your fourth sinus infection of the year. You know, Have why you been exposed this... to water damage buildings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this a fungal issue? And so you maybe you don't yeah. need the antibiotic that you've been getting all the time. You know, prompt them to sort of maybe dig a little deeper on their own. And then, mm-hmm. of course, just prevention and like forward thinking. You know, everything I've learned with like, you know, longevity and how we can live a healthy, quality life. Since I've been working here, that knowledge I can I can talk about that at urgent care too, even though they're quick visits. But you know, what are you doing for your immune system? Like you keep getting these colds or viruses. Are you doing anything to help support your immune system? I love hearing that. I know you've mentioned to me before, even in passing, like, well, now I ask my patients, like, how much dairy do you consume? I mean, in thirty seconds, you can ask things like, are you taking vitamin D? How much dairy do you consume? Right? So you're going to treat them for the acute issue, but you also are your wheels are spinning trying to help them also in that short period of time get to the root cause of the problem, which really benefits them tremendously. Mm-hmm. So I think that mm-hmm. is, and yeah. we need urgent care. We need conventional medicine, and I talk about that a lot. If you listen to the podcast, you know in my book we describe the fire department, you know, versus a carpenter approach. And so when you're in urgent care, you're more, you know, practicing as that fireman or firewoman, right? Putting out that fire. But yet you also now have the knowledge of the carpenter, the contractor, the, that functional medicine mm-hmm. approach. So I love that you're, you know, trying to incorporate both of those. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go over to Sarah. So Sarah, you're, I hate even saying recent grad because you've almost been here a year now, but, but it's still recent, know, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Still <laughs> recent. Yes. Yeah. So you're a recent grad and you've spent obviously a lot of time in conventional medicine. So what are some of the biggest differences you see kind of here as compared to conventional medicine? Yes. I would say I just find it very interesting in conventional medicine that there's kind of, they live in a land of absolutes. It's black or white. You know, so my example that I chose for this was hemoglobin A1C. If your hemoglobin A1C is 5.7, you're considered to be pre-diabetic. If it's 5.6 in conventional medicine, that's fine. Like, yep, your hemoglobin A1C looks great. You know, no problems. See you next year. Well, next year, guess what? Your hemoglobin A1C is going to be 5.9. You're going to be pre-diabetic where there could have been things to prevent that all along. So I really like how we get ahead of that. And I also think just the difference between how we interpret labs, which I feel like is kind of an unknown. It's a gray area to conventional providers, how we're looking at labs differently. In functional medicine, we don't treat based on normal lab results, but we rather aim to optimize your labs, right? So that's kind of the hemoglobin A1C. There's even thyroid function. So repeatedly in my preceptorship, we would see, especially women coming in, I'm so fatigued, I'm gaining weight, I don't know what's wrong with me. Well, we would run a TSH and you know maybe iron ferritin and B12 and folate. Well, everything looks normal. Well, really, they're not optimized at all. Everything may be normal, but that's Mm -hmm. not where you're going to feel your best. Those are the two kind of things that stick out to me. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's a strength in functional medicine is that we're not just saying, okay, your labs are normal. We're looking for optimal. I mean, we all hear this. We have patients all the time that come to our office after having seen their primary care for years and their primary care is trying to help and she she or he runs labs and they are normal. (laughs) So the patient has appropriately been told their labs are normal, but 
normal isn't optimal. There is very much a difference. And an analogy in my book, I kind of show with a, a bell-shaped curve is, okay, if your kid got a, you know, 10% on a test, right, would you consider that great and optimal? No, you want your kid to get a 90, right, to get an A on their exam. But yet in medicine, if your thyroid labs are only at the 10, 10th percentile, we still consider that normal and great. No, we want thyroid, we want sex hormones, we want vitamin D, we want nutrient status, all of those things high, right, in the optimal range. So yeah, and I wasn't taught that through conventional training, right? The difference between normal and optimal. So I agree. Let's talk about some success stories. So Lindsay, I, I know it might be hard to pick one, but like what have mm-hmm. some of your favorite success stories been that you've seen through your time here? It is hard just to pick one. I think just in general, having, I mean, especially when it comes to the bioidentical hormones. So getting women and men, their sex hormones optimized, they come back and they feel so much better. And it's so rewarding to hear that from them that like, I don't have this lingering fatigue. My, my mood is better. I'm just, you know, energized. You know, my brain fog is gone. It's all of these things that have just been these kind of chronic symptoms that they've never been able to figure out. So a lot, I think optimizing hormones and, and seeing how much better patients feel just in general, it's really rewarding to be a part of that. We do a lot of that here. And I think that's one of the first things we do because optimizing hormones is such a big needle mover, right? You get the patient sleeping better and with more energy and suddenly they're more motivated. They will change their diet. They'll go do that weird prolon or liver detox thing or whatever, right? The hormones, you know, just improving them really is um, life changing. So I would agree there. What about Sarah? Well, I have to echo Lindsay that it's so rewarding. It's not uncommon for me to be texting Steph or Eric like, oh my gosh, I love my job. Like this is what I heard from a patient today. And they are, their lives are so changed. I hear you have saved my marriage. My husband is so happy. He said just the other day, a patient told me like, my husband said, I'm even more affectionate than I used to be. So just getting people and I get goosebumps when I talk about it. Um, And I also love, so this is a close second to saving marriages, is having the little little ladies that come in with bone density problems, osteoporosis, osteopenia, and they don't want to do the medications with all the terrible side effects, right, or infusions. And they start getting hormone replacement therapy, bioidentical that we provide for them. And we watch their DEXA scores improve. And it's just great to watch them build bone and they're happy and no side effects, right? Very minimal. I agree. I've said that on the past podcast so many times that I've never seen anything improve bone density like hormones can and specifically hormone pellets and even more specifically testosterone. Yes, women need testosterone. (laughs) So I love it when patients bring in me the decks and they're like, I'm not quite sure what this means. I think this says I have an increase. I'm not sure. And then I show them this is statistically significant, right? And they go back to their doctor and their doctor's like, what have you been doing? And they may or may not share that they've been on hormone pellets, but typically you can't argue with results. So that provider's like, okay, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it because it's working, right? Without the side effects of a lot of those other medications that have minimal results. I would agree on that too. I get asked all the time, what's one product that I just can't live without when it comes to maintaining my own health and longevity? And my answer is something you've actually heard me mention on several episodes. It's called mitochondrial complex, and it's pretty much the Cadillac of multivitamins. And it's packed with antioxidants, including three key players acetyl-L-carnitine, alpha-lipoic acid, and N-acetylcysteine. Think of a steam engine that requires coal to be continually shoveled into the furnace to power the train forward. Acetyl-L-carnitine does that for your body by shoveling short-chain fatty acids into your cells to provide your body with energy. 
This is an absolutely essential task to keeping you running. However, what's a byproduct of fire? You guessed it, smoke. Unfortunately, in this analogy, smoke from fire equals free radicals. To combat those free radicals, other antioxidants are needed, and that's where alpha-lipoic acid and N-acetylcysteine come in. Together, they scavenge free radicals and help boost and recharge glutathione, the most potent antioxidant in the body. To top it off, mitochondrial complex also contains a little bit of green tea extract, broccoli seed extract with sulforaphane, and even resveratrol. Research has shown that when athletes and individuals that are under stress begin taking this product, they are less likely to get sick, as they're giving their body what it needs to conquer those stressors. Who doesn't need protection from stress and cellular damage at this time? I certainly do. I take this product every day. If you're interested in learning more about how mitochondrial complex can help support you living a longer, healthier life, check out my blog post on why antioxidants are important found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash why dash antioxidants dash are dash important or in chapter four of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. To get 10% off our mitochondrial complex, just use code ENERGY when checking out at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Is there any message that you guys would want to share with, you know, our friends in conventional medicine who may be listening to this podcast? Someone you know who maybe knows, oh, suddenly you're working in this weird functional medicine clinic. Like, is there anything, any message in specific that you would like to share with them? Well, I've been blessed to be able to keep in touch with some of my preceptors and kind of like explain some of these things like optimal lab values. And so they're, they're kind of starting to understand. And then we do see the referrals come through. But more than anything, I just wish for the patient's sake that we could collaborate more and not so much live in a world of absolutes. So I just feel like so often patients come and they've talked to whatever provider they've been to who doesn't either understand or approve of you know, non-FDA approved treatments or hormone replacement in general or functional medicine, it almost feels like because they didn't learn about it and don't know, aren't familiar that it's not right. It doesn't exist. It's wrong. I've heard there's no studies supporting that type of hormone replacement therapy, which is absolutely false. Yep. Yes. And so let's just say like, I'm not very familiar, you know, in that realm. I know there's people in town that do that, someone that I can, you know, at least provide you the information so you can get the help that you deserve, right? Instead of just saying like, no, that's wrong. That's not how we do medicine because there there is a different way. Lindsay, anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with Sarah. I think, I mean, if we can get to the point where we're working together, I think that would be so awesome. I think we could just offer patients so much more respecting one another, knowing that training education that we had was different. And so, you know, I I don't expect them to immediately jump on board with something that they've never heard of before, but at least being open-minded to it and knowing that, gosh, maybe I should look into this. Maybe there is some research. There's something to this. Yeah. I think a lot of providers are just uncomfortable with yeah. you know, what they're unfamiliar with because they haven't been taught it. But if they would right. be open, you know, to your point, we can provide the studies. Trust me, they're out there. I have, you know, we have folders and you know, on our shared drive, <laughs> just articles on whether it is hormones improving bone density or reducing cardiovascular risk or whatnot, right? And then being safe, right? We we have those pieces of information. If others would be, you know, open minded enough to take the time to know the research is there, we just have to to find it. I think absolutely working together would be to the betterment of all worlds combined us, them, the patient, right? I mean, many times we just want an open-minded primary care who can do their annual exam and bill that to insurance because we don't bill it to insurance. But some of our patients are uncomfortable even going to their past doctor because 
he or she has poo-pooed their supplements or their hormones or whatnot. And I, I just wish there was more of an open-mindedness approach there. If, and if there's a curiosity for anyone listening, we'd be happy to take you out to lunch and you know talk to you about what we do here because what we do is evidence-based and it hormone replacement therapy specifically even can be done safely and effectively for sure. I'm going to add to that. Yeah, I can real quick. So I've been like, as a new provider, I'm all gung ho about getting new patients and becoming friends with all the conventional providers. So I've been like sending thank you notes to those providers that do send their patients here. And then I even with the permission of my patient, and of course, keeping their information confidential, sending messages or notes to providers who maybe are questioning it. So I think the part that's really frustrating is when we're treating someone for mold toxicity and they're so sick and their physician is not approving of like even recognizing, you know, that that's a thing. So I've gone so far as to reach out and provide the CDC website on a specific mold the patient tested positive for. And like, this is an actual real thing yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. we're helping this patient overcome. would love to collaborate with you on their treatment. Yeah, I applaud you. You've done a really good job trying to network with other local, you know, conventional providers because um, I've just been burned in the past. So, which I've told you, you know, from some, so mm-hmm. I know you're eager and I'm just going to let your, you continue that excitement and continue <laughs> to do that. And we can, we can send my book as well. I think that's a great outline. So that's a great gift. We'd be happy to, to send to anyone listening. I mean, why do you think, maybe we already answered this, but I was going to ask, why do you think some of the conventional doctors aren't open to what we do? I mean, is it what we've already answered? Like, is it just the lack of knowledge? Or why do you think they kind of poo-poo what, what we do? I think so. I think it's just not not knowing, not having been exposed to the research or the literature that's out there. I mean, they weren't trained on, the, on some of these things. Um, yeah, I think that's a big piece of it. And I mean, they're busy, right? Like every practitioner provider is busy. So to say that they've got a ton of free time that they can try to dive in and and explore some of this, I mean that's that's hard. I understand that too. So especially once, you know, they've been in their practice for a while and they are doing things the way they've been doing things. I mean, it takes, you know, a lot of effort and time I think to to try to open up and incorporate some new ideas or new things. So, yeah, I think just not having the education and training and exposure, I, I would say, I think if they're able to see the research and the literature and hear the patient success stories, I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't be on board with that. Yep. I think sometimes their time is very limited, right? They have to yeah. see so many patients a day when we see fewer than you know most of our colleagues in primary care and whatnot. So I think their time may be limited, but it doesn't mean that they necessarily have to learn all of functional medicine, but just know when the appropriate maybe referral is, right? If they can't get that patient's skin to to clear up that eczema, that acne, and they've tried medications and whatnot, might there be diet change or supplement or, you know, something else that we could help with? Yes. The answer is yes. So again, I think just knowing when to refer out would be great because there's a good chance that we could help. I think you have anything to add? Slowly catching on though, too. Like I'll hear more, more and more like, avoid dairy, right? For eczema and acne and some of that sinus stuff. Or I had one patient the other day tell me that her GI doctor told her to avoid gluten and dairy. And I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) I just think it's, yeah, all the things you said. Maybe can we go back to your hives, Sarah? So like, and you just share whatever Please you're comfortable with. But like, <laughs> how did you approach this like previously? Like, what did you do for your hives back then? And knowing what you know now, 
maybe how would you have approached that differently? And ultimately, have those hives improved? Like, where are you? My hives are gone. <laughs> so no hives. Um, how would I have approached it differently? Or how did I approach it? Was that the first question? I mean, both. Like, what did you yeah. do back then? And then... How I mean, back you... then it was just, it was desperation. I would almost get these flares where it would be so bad that it would require a round of steroids. So then, yeah. of course, the weight starts piling on, right? And this angry, emotional, chubby beast and not feeling well at all. Um, and then I ended up on like immunosuppressant therapy and getting labs drawn to make sure my liver function was staying up to par monthly, just chasing symptoms, really. So how would I approach it differently? I mean, I would have dug for the root cause. So thinking back for a long time, I thought maybe it was my breast implants that were causing the hives because I had them removed and then the hives went away. I also think like, could it have been mold at the time? You know, I told you I met my husband. We ended up, you know, getting married. I moved in with him and I wonder if he lived in an older home, could it have... I mean, they didn't start until I met him. So could that have been... The issue yeah. too. I just I'm glad they cleared the up. Things. Yeah, me but, too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, ultimately, I'm glad they cleared up. But I think you're definitely onto some things there. And luckily, hopefully, you did remove yourself from that potentially moldy, you know, environment, and you got the implants removed, so your immune system was less triggered, and things took care of themselves. It sounds like. Um, let's go back to bone density. So I just want to ask Lindsay, like, how you would approach improving bone density, knowing what you know here, versus maybe what you would have been recommending, you know, five years ago in a, in a primary care setting, whatnot. So I think there are some key things we do here that, that are different. Yeah. Um, and Sarah mentioned it a little bit earlier too, but optimizing hormones, um, I think is a huge part of the bone density. Like she was talking about, you know, seeing improved scores on DEXA scans. And so um, testosterone is an excellent hormone to help build the, build the bones up. And then estrogen as well. I mean, when you think about postmenopausal women who have low to, you know, maybe no estrogen there, they're the ones that are an increased risk for developing osteoporosis. So, I mean, it makes sense that we need to optimize those hormones um, to help our bones. The sooner the better too. Yep. Right. The other big thing is just looking at nutritional deficiencies. Like, are you taking any supplements right now? Are you, you're probably not getting enough of what we need for nutrition just through foods that we're eating, unfortunately. We do have to supplement. Um, a lot of people, when they think about bones and taking a vitamin, they think, oh, calcium, I've got to be on calcium. And it's true. Calcium is very important for bones, but also magnesium. And I think majority of the population is probably magnesium deficient. But you know, we, we think here and we believe there's common recommendation that the ratio of magnesium to calcium that we need is actually two to one. Just looking at them, you know, we can do testing, even nutritional analysis to see where they might be deficient in some of those things and then helping them get on the right supplements. Vitamin D is another huge um, nutrient that we need for bone health, um, along with vitamin K2, which so many of my patients, I, I don't feel like I've ever even heard of vitamin K2, but that is a super important um, nutrient that helps improve calcium absorption and so I think the the nutritional aspect is huge when we think about bone density, but also optimizing sex hormones. Totally agreed. Yeah, your bones need more than calcium. I feel like so many postmenopausal women are just put on calcium. That's it. If they're lucky, vitamin D. But how about we test your vitamin D levels and we test your mineral levels? We can look at vitamins, minerals, amino acids, antioxidants, omegas, right, to see 
what your nutritional status is and then give you those appropriate supplements. So I totally agree. Many times those supplement needs boil down to gut health, like gastrointestinal health, because if your gut's a mess, then you may not be properly absorbing your nutrients too. So that's a good transition to my next question. So Sarah, how would you approach different kind of gastrointestinal symptoms here? Because we see, we, we optimize a lot of hormones here, but we also see a lot of GI symptoms. So how would you approach that here? And maybe how that is that different from your primary care training? Sure. Well, I think in primary care, to start there, it's really just what are your symptoms? You have reflux. Okay, here's a pill for that. Well, then I think that's really what gets me not nervous with the new patient, but you see that they've been on a PPI, you know, like omeprazole for a long time. And you know that that's affecting their bone health. It's affecting their gut health and their ability to absorb nutrients. Like, can we just peel back the onion and figure out what's causing the reflux first? Fix that. And then maybe we won't have all these downstream effects from the medication, right? So starting with food sensitivity testing, that's always the first recommendation that we make to patients, I think, as a whole, beyond just the normal serum lab testing that we order for their hormones. So I, you know, working to identify what foods are causing some of the issues that they're having, what's causing inflammation. For the patients that opt out of the food sensitivity testing, I then just encourage them to do elimination diets, right? So we know that the foremost inflammatory foods are gluten, dairy, sugar, and eggs. Just working to take those out of the diet, kind of keep a journal of how their symptoms feel. That can be life-changing. I mean, for much more than just the GI symptoms, right? We see skin symptoms resolve with that. We see joint symptoms resolve with that. Even anxiety, you know, a good share of our neurotransmitters are manufactured in the gut. So that can really have an effect on your mood as well. Totally, totally. I'm going to keep probing you here, Sarah, like what else can we do? So that is wonderful. And I would say 75% of the time, that's going to help patients. But what what happens when they've changed their diet and that's not enough? Like what else can we do? How else can we approach gastrointestinal symptoms here? Yes. So then we dig deeper, right? So it kind of depends on what their symptoms are. We see a fair amount of SIBO and SIBO can be so refractory. Um, So that's something that we can consider in patients. And then one thing that we unfortunately can't test for is CFO, so fungal overgrowth in the small intestine, which you know we think too could be a problem causing if they've done all the right things and they're still having the bloating and gastrointestinal distress that maybe we need to do more of like a yeast and bacteria cleanse to get rid of some of the overgrowth and and treat treat you know the source of the problem. So you mentioned SIBO, which for the listeners is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, which I have a whole podcast on. Highly recommend you listen to that. I can post a link to that in the show notes. And then CFO is small intestinal fungal overgrowth, but our bacterial yeast cleanse treats both the bacteria and the yeast. <laughs> so it's just more of a, a diet and supplemental regimen that takes a couple months, but can be very effective. Although we also do prescribe antibiotics and antifungals when we need to, right? Sometimes we need them. And so I'm, I'm glad that we have that as another tool. We can also explore other gut infections via stool tests. So we can actually look, like for that patient who has reflux, right? We can look on their stool test to see if they need enzymes or ox bile if they've had their gallbladder removed or hydrochloric acid if they can't digest their protein. So we can explore that and we can even explore fructose intolerance, right? There's just lots of different, like you were saying, we can dig deeper, lots of different layers, I guess, that we can peel back if we need to. And sometimes it's just patients are eating foods that are laden with toxins. It's not even the food itself, but it's that they don't eat organic. They're eating glyphosate-laden grains, whatnot. So sometimes just getting them to change their diet, start eating organic, at least for the dirty dozen foods, can make a big difference too. So lots we can do for GI symptoms here. 
And that was such a great introduction into how our approach at the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic is different. We do work to peel back layers of the onion on your mysterious symptoms and help you get to the root cause of your problems. Be sure to join us next week in part two of this series. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.